0: Welcome to PLV Radio Network out of BC, Canada, where inquiring minds meet inspiration. Coming up next is Sarah at Positive Living Vibrations. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. We are here today with Angel Hamilton, and she is a documentary filmmaker. As a socially media-driven documentarist, Angel Hamilton has been driven to create documentary digital video art using her personal stories, social issues, and has assisted others in creating their documentary films and dramatic movies. She's taught herself workshop in uh, 2011 as uh, as, uh, she taught workshops at 2011 at a Women in Digital Cultural Festival in Vancouver called the Social Media Documentary Film Arts. She was met with enthusiastic uh, participants willing to learn how to do digital video documentary filmmaking and marketing distributing with social media. While she has been living in Peterborough, Ontario, she has co-founded an organization called the Media Arts Peterborough, The Map, which is going to do be doing monthly web series on the arts on Peterborough. So while she was t- uh, attending Kaleidoscope, a digital film production, she assisted in writing the script and production of coordinating for a short film called PIN. Uh, she also contributed as a writer-interviewer for Lens of Art in 2009. Angel has attended documentary production uh, film school with Capilano a documentary film program that's here in BC, and she has successfully directed three movies. She's directed, produced, shot, and edited both A Fool's Tale, Polysex Confidential, and co-directed and co-produced Angel's Bike with Nathan Kobachar. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. She has worked for Redstone Productions as a producer intern with the Crazy 8s short film event and has worked for Purple Productions as production producer intern for the movie Amazon Falls. She has honors and bachelor's degree in anthropology and archaeology and has was presented with honors thesis on her archaeology of sexually called the fractal nature of sexuality. The classic Meyer and New Um, Kingdom of Egypt at uh, the 43rd University of Calgary Chachamu Conference of Archaeology in 2009. All of this bio is actually on the page and you can read it in your own free time. She was recently directed Free Dawn Stanford, a documentary video um, short with about the wild salmon And uh, really what we can do about it and what this poor person is actually uh, standing up for. Um, She likes to support causes. She likes to show people what we can do as solutionists, the creative solutions that we can bring about in uh, addressing what ails us, um, the blockages that are really unnecessary And that we can all just get along if we all just participated in it one way or the other. So welcome to the show, Angel. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. And it's lovely to have you. And I'm also very, very proud to announce that uh, Angel's going to have her own show on our Indie Weekends on PLV Radio Network um, coming September. So she's going to be talking about her movies, um, all her documentary stuff. She's going to be interviewing people. Um, She's going to be asking you questions of what you want her to uh, direct and do a movie on. So it's really quite exciting with what's about to come up. But let's first find out a little more about you other than just your bio. What drove you to filmmaking? And why Ultimately,
1: when I was going to school in um, Trent University in anthropology and specifically archaeology, my my professor, um, Paul Healy, uh, he was tired of me complaining about some of the old documentaries about the uh, archaeology um, of the Maya from the 1960s and 70s. And he was encouraging me that um, in order for me to uh, have a voice and be able to get uh, some of my opinions across that I could go into filmmaking, and and that's when I thought, well, you know what, maybe I will go into documentary filmmaking, and decided to go to Vancouver and pursue that in um, any way that I could, by volunteering and then going to school, and um, it was a whole process, a journey that took, uh, I guess, five years.
0: And, of course, you went to school at a little local Capilano um, uh, university around here, set in the mountains, uh Vancouver yeah. which is really beautiful. Now it's called Bosa Film
1: and Animation School. They have a brand new facility there actually wow. as of the year after I graduated. So I was in the program when it was the older building.
0: Right. Uh, well you know out with the old in with the new as they say right but I'm sure that uh, uh, you've got lots of good benefits there. It's a great school. Um, so documentary uh, you, you wanted to kind of Rewrite? No, I'm not rewrite history. It's kind of redocument history from a different perspective. And so, um, where did you start? What was your first one? My my first
1: documentary that I started um, was in first semester at uh, at film school, and it was called Polysex Confidential.
0: Now, and why so my, Polysex my first... Confidential? I mean, that's a really neat title. But you know, do tell us more.
1: Because Because I wanted to, I wanted to examine, um, polyamory, uh, sexuality. I wanted to look at, um, starting with myself, um, put myself on camera and, um, and just, uh, explore what the crisis is, like, within my own life of being in my, I was 30 at the time, uh, of, you know, what, do I get back into a long-term monogamous relationship or do I go into a polyamory lifestyle in my, in my rest of my life? and um, what, what does this look like and what does a the sex therapist say and what does my best friend say and what does a, a person that practices polyamory say? So it was a, a starting point of conversation to see what um, polyamory is and how polyamory um, can be explored in, like through looking at jealousies and looking at what compersion means, which is uh, really the opposite of, of jealousy. Um, polyamory talks about multiple lovers. With different um, people that you negotiate agreements with in a loving way, so that you have instead of uh, it's non-exclusive and it's consensual and adults, and it's something of a social movement for for 50 years really since like the the whole um, love movement in the 60s, mm-hmm. but now it's morphed and evolved into something that's uh, much more ethical and much more sound, and it, it it's it's the sure. technologies that we have today. And for a modern woman like myself, then it works better um, than monogamy. But it's still something that I don't I don't know 100% sure. Like the film could be a feature film because um, I might want to go down to see Dolph Easton, the author of The Ethical Set in California, and explore this subject matter further. Because um, maybe a polyamory, um, if I was in like um, a polyamory relationship that was for a long time, maybe I would find out that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I then the I'd want to be in a monogamous relationship. But right now, that's almost exploring the question of what is polyamory
0: and is it something that I would like to explore. And, and also bringing yeah. your attention to, to you know, the world of what it was. Um, you know, because, yeah. you know, what is it? Oh, oh it's that. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you actually, as you say, you, you've got everybody's um, perspective on it. So, therefore, with that education, uh, assumption drops by the wayside. Yeah, and then
1: I guess after the film was made, um, I realized that um I really made it because I wanted to explore archaeology or sexuality in more of mm-hmm. a, a feature film, but I had that hard time explaining that to people in the pitch in the proposal. And mm-hmm. then I found out that Polyamory is actually um, criminalized, that people get their kids sometimes taken away in Canada because there's um, there was a reference case in the Supreme Court of BC in regards to polygamy,
0: and mm-hmm. polyamory
1: is a part of that um, because some people in polyamorous relationships do um, mm-hmm. get married and have the hand fasting ceremony, and that's unfortunately the, um, are illegal in Canada and yes. the criminal code. Yes, And I until
0: remember then that. I
1: followed that. Yeah, so then I followed that case when I was in B.C., and um, that's the kind of uh, inspiration that I have now for more of the feature film that I'm developing and researching um, the proposal for, so I can, um, you know, make it a larger film. And that was the intention, I guess, that's why I started off with polysex, because that that was my, my number one thing during that summer that I was thinking about, that I wanted to make a documentary about polyamory. So I started off just talking about it from my own personal perspective.
0: And of course, you know, polygamy is something that is very vinylized. Um, Yet, you know, um, if people are there from their own choice, it's a lifestyle that they've chosen, and uh, and it seems to work for them. Then leave people be. Um, it's it's when it's against their choice, or you know, um, they have no other options, or so they're not taught any other options, so then it becomes something that becomes questionable. But
1: I agree, know, Sarah. That, that's because it's um, sometimes fundamentalist, like in the case of Mormon, yeah. it, it's yeah. patriarchal and it's um, also a situation of control and, yeah. and domination. So in that regard, it doesn't fit alignment with what I... I think that should be, um, and not necessarily criminalized, but certainly um, the pedophiles and the, and the like should yeah. be that's against the law. Like they shouldn't have child brides across the border. They shouldn't have a man that's in his 50s with a child bride 12.
0: Exactly. You know, I
1: feel like these things are uh, immoral and, and should be illegal. But that's not polyamory. Mm-hmm. Polyamory is adult consensual, non-exclusive Relationships of people that were experimenting with different kinds of setups and different kinds of romantic, loving relationships with each other, and especially women like me that's educated in the modernized women with technologies and social media. It, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, yeah. Love many, as opposed yeah. to possession and territory, and a and man right. owning me. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense for someone like me.
0: And you know, if it, recognizing that that is who you are, and knowing that yeah, at this particular stage in your life, you could not commit to one person, is being honest and open, and also yeah. honoring yourself. You know, why mm-hmm. why would you go? you know, and, and love somebody, but then feel that it's, it's just, you know, you cannot be with that um, with that one person and do honor by them. Um, you know, maybe later on down the road, you may find that one person maybe. that answers to you. But, you know, now you're honest and true to yourself and uh, what you need. And in that honesty, you're not betraying anybody and you're certainly not betraying yourself, which is a good way to Very start. And, like, and so really, when you look at, documentaries in a, in a lot of sense, it is exposing betrayal or exposing uh-huh. um illusion or assumption. And it really does get down to the facts of something, um, because you're actually showing it from different angles and you're hearing different perspectives. And uh, so there is a, a great better understanding of something from a factual but also creative factual type of way. Um uh-huh. So is that what you know I mean you started well, with that
1: my, te- my teacher my teacher actually Michelle Mason, who is my mentor she she was gearing me away from sexual um, documentary filmmaking because initially, when I wrote the script of polysex um <laughs> i I did have a lot of my archaeology and my anthropology of sexuality perspectives and interviews in place she wanted something more personal, more as she, she, mm-hmm. she was saying that if you were to put yourself on camera and you were to talk openly and honestly about your open and honest, you know, relationship of polyamory and, and curiosity about that, but not really get the audience um, emotional. Like, it, it satisfies the emotional beats of the story as opposed to just being, having a narration, having that kind of like, BBC, you know, documentary about polyamory from an outsider's perspective. Right. Which I could still do, but ultimately, and Michelle was really inspiring me to, to just be on, um, put myself on camera, which is a really scary thing to do.
0: Yes, yes, it is, you know, to make yourself the subject. But at the same time, that's what makes it, um, you know, related. People can relate to you because it is you talking about your own ex- um, exploration of it. Um, so, you know, why you're uh, not uh, advocating it for everybody by you putting yourself through it and putting um, exploring what it's all about and the options and everything that it stands for, you're educating people as to what it is and they can decide for themselves whether it's for them or not, but at least lose the judgment on something that they don't understand. So, very brave thing to do. So, yeah, having said
1: that, though, it is a Michael Moore kind of tactic, and that yes. might be mm-hmm. animating potentially the counter-message, driving the other side of the story to be more of a compelling documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's something that I've had to really think about. You know, when I released it on YouTube, um, I was really inspired by Lady Gaga. She was on Oprah one day, and I was watching her, and she was... But my teachers were were warning me against it. So, like, well, if everyone knows that you're for polyamory, then it's going to be challenging to interview people who are against polyamory. Thereby, the documentary is not going to have enough the added counter message from a journalistic perspective. So, I had to make a choice. I guess.
0: And I, we just skipped over that little bit um, about Lady Gaga. I'm sorry, you kind of blacked out there for a moment. So. Yeah.
1: Lady, Lady Gaga was inspiring for me to uh, in 2010 to upload my um, films to YouTube. Right, because she was saying on the interview with Oprah um, on the Oprah TV show that uh, if you have any art that you're not sharing, that to upload it and just share it and not be afraid.
0: Right, because you know people judge what they fear, or they are ignorant over. Um, Just because we also, you know, we may know something, we may see something, um, it doesn't mean that we have to envelop it. But in understanding that it is for somebody else, even if it's not for you, and don't cast your judgment, at least the camera be, you know, turned on you. Um, Uh It's, it's the more we know, the more we we learn to accept, or the more we learn to go that, you know, these are the different uh, spices of life that create this dish. And, you know, we wouldn't want to be all kind of meat and potato people. You know, we need those spices. We need those vegetables, those fruits, that color, that abundance in order to make us up into a delicious dish in this world. And it takes everything. And so you're kind of a little bit more on the spicy side of things, which isn't for everybody. Pretty much.
1: Right. I'm very colorful. I'm a rainbow warrior that way. I'm always <laughs> dressed in rainbows. And my, my, my online presence is very... Oh, rainbow and colorful and artsy. I, I guess I really dramatically, that's why I'm always saying transformational documentary film artist. Yeah. Because that makes more sense to me than just a, a producer or just a, a director. Right. Because I, mean, I wear so many hats and ultimately it's all about me self-expression and finding people's self-expression and being colorful.
0: And of course, back in my day, you would have been considered a true hippie so you know probably yeah, so, you know, people say that yes <laughs> I was considered a true hippie but I was hippie chic because I was kind of hippie pearls and tweed so you know <laughs> contradictory but uh, yeah uh, the hippie really more represents I'm a
1: dying breed apparently yeah, people well, keep I, telling I, me this.
0: believe me honey I'm older I am <laughs> I'm on the other side of the yeah um, yep. but, you know it's it's. Um, I think what the the word hippie you know it. It meant kind of that free expression, free living, and and just, you know, not being tied to the establishment. Then, of course, it became a dirty word, you know, that dirty hippie, meaning a bum and everything else. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I really, you know, I was a true hippie, and as I was a free spirit completely, and, you know, um, didn't do anything that was expected of me, kind of uh, lived very colorfully, um, and full of expression and full of spirit. And uh, it was... I was more free then than I've ever been since I've grown up. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, trying to get back to that spirit. Um, yeah. I was honest and true in that. So, you know, uh, own your hippie, hippiness because it's actually mm-hmm. a wonderful state of place to be. Well,
1: for, for me, I am definitely am um, because um, when I was going to uh, Sweat Lodge, um, the elders were very mm-hmm. encouraging of me being my authentic honest self. And whatever that looks like, whatever and, and being brave warrior, wire up, they said. And that meant really touching into what is um who am I? I mean, we don't know how long we're gonna be here for. So it it's definitely important for me to be of integrity and, and um sure I can put on my business outfits and I go to Toronto right. and I can go to, you know, documentary date, but I still have my, you know, turquoise scarf and my turquoise earrings. I mean, you know, people see in my eyes that I'm not. I'm not of every, like everybody else. Right. You know, I'm. I'm. I might be dressed in a suit, but I still have like my my authentic self coming
0: out. Oh, sweetie, stop wearing the suit. Just wear what makes you feel good and make a statement. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I only. I only do that if I'm talking to executive producers when they're pitching something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when
1: it's like the investors and their first time meeting me. And usually, I have like a turquoise scarf or turquoise um, uh, earrings, and I have my, yeah, my <laughs> so hippie purse.
0: Right, exactly. Because you've got to be yourself, you know. The um, people, yeah. It's actually funny because you know, I've, I was brought up with suit generation, and but when I, uh I'm fine if I I'm, if I'm wearing a jacket and a skirt, but if I wore a suit, I become actually too intimidating. Uh, That's it. Suddenly my, um, you know, um, gentle persuasion suddenly becomes more more forceful and I become Mm. very intimidating. So sometimes, Mm. you know, dressing like the rest of the droids,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that's <laughs> right, well said.
1: Well, it, to bring me to my, the the Howler film too, is that um I'm actually in, in that film in a way through some of the photographs of me wearing my, my rainbow sweater and um the, uh, the, the big purple hat with the sparkles on it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like my signature photograph. I'm, I'm, I'm online. People will see that. And, uh, so it's kind of like very public. I'm a very colorful artist.
0: And that's pretty amazing. I have a a friend, Bill Mackey, who I've done a show on on OCD, and uh, he's creatively right now coming up with a program that's a musical program for autistic kids in order to form a language of communication. Awesome. And um, a a little friend of ours who was six at the time put her hat and her glasses on him um, when we were at the coffee shop one day, and I took a picture, and it was so goofy and fun, and it's become (laughs) his picture now. So people look at this guy with pink glasses on <laughs> and his little hat on and it's like they're not quite sure and he's talking authority on OCD, you know, Parkinson's and, uh-huh. and the diva mindset and, and he's mm-hmm. a genius. He's an absolute genius. But, you know, it's like. Brilliant. Well, are you meant to dress a certain way as a genius? Yeah. You know, it's like he's just kind of being mm-hmm. expressive on himself, and it's, I think it takes yeah. more guts to embrace that than kind of to conform to the norm. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And that's why most of my wardrobe, but almost
1: every day in Peterborough is pretty colorful.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, your anthropology, and, and, and you're saying you're doing it on, on the Mayans, I recently watched a TV program on the Mayans, and... And know, I've always um, admired them, um, you know, the, their architecture, their way of life. But I have to say, after watching this documentary, it kind of put me right off. And this is when they got really panicked about uh, the water. There wasn't enough rainwater. And then they just started throwing families and children into these big pits of water to try, you know, appease to the water gods. Would you say that was more kind of towards the end of their reign uh, rather than kind of at the beginning?
1: Yeah, I would say that um it was because there was um a lot more uh when they when they first developed from their into chieftains and into a state society, there was a lot more indication that they had an animistic belief, a spiritual belief that they had, um, that was less uh uh less religious like and with all the iconography and with all the scribes, you know, um having all of the uh the, the different kinds of gods and the different kinds of rituals that go with that and the ceremonies. But when they're when they're earlier stages in their prehistory, there was a lot more villages, and a lot more um, spirit was in everything. It was in in all of their um, uh, rituals and, and within their uh, ceremonies. And I mean, I the thing is about it is I studied it in school, and yet I haven't been down there. Yeah. And so that's kind of something that I really need to do yeah. is actually like be in the archaeological dig. Be I'm an armchair archaeologist is what they refer to me. Right. So I I got this archaeologist degree specifically looking at the Maya a couple of years ago, 2008, when I graduated. Um, still have all my textbooks upstairs in my bedroom. Um, but I look specifically at how the the sexuality of the Mayans. Um, was very fluid and very open there was men that were wearing um you know just lankoffs and and lots of different kinds of um tattoos and, and different kinds of piercings and there was a- uh, imagery of sexuality that was very fluid but and women were were very much um uh seen in in ways that were very respected um and it was lots of regalia and lots of iconography that was, symbolized um, their their mother earth, like their connection, yeah. um, respect for mother. Whereas that was changed in the state, the cycling chiefdoms that were competing for power mm-hmm. and those concentrations of, of power and social control becoming more intense as the population densities rose in, in the large city centers. Right. And so that's when the religious um, iconography started to intensify and the scribes were having to write all of the the the, the stele of all the victories of the war. And that's when you have more ceremonies uh, that were horrific and violent uh, because they're trying to compete with each other um, as resources are going more scarce. And so there was um, a lot of people also that were living in the urban centers that were noble elites. And it was really fascinating because they had like um, a... cacao um, vases that had like brand name markings on them from specific regions, sort of like uh, trademarks Mm -hmm. and corporations. And uh, their populations were really high and they had all these ceremonies and so they had conspicuous consumption, much like Western society does, with the noble elites having um, consumption of goods and services that are um, not necessary. And so some of the farmers and the peasants they went they they decided to leave this urban centers and be more subsistence strategies to, to survive and to continue all those villages and go back to the way it was before the cities
0: really parallel to the way we are right I mean we were brought up mm-hmm. to be kind of spiritual beings you know when you look at children. You know they're living in in their diva, which is their dreams, inspirations, visions, aspirations. You know everything about life is is, is wondrous and exciting, and they're so utterly in tune to life. Their sensories are completely switched on, and they're totally. It, they're totally immersed with the with the planet and with the cosmos. And for them, it's it's just all completely natural. And then as uh, humans, we kind of uh, older humans we kind of dictate now what they should believe in what they can't believe in, what's real and what isn't real and we start taking away that diva from them, they lose a dream, they can't see the vision anymore, they're not inspired by anything and they certainly don't aspire to anything because we kind of beat it out of them by saying conform, be a droid, conform
1: uh-huh. and it's
0: uh, finding that spirit again, It's uh, um, I've worked, um, I'm Spiritual counselor have been all my life, but mm-hmm. I found it's less to do with waking the young. Um, it is the older that forties and fifties and sixties who suddenly say, "My God, I've been, I've been living as a droid all my life, and my body and my senses are screaming at me to wake up and uh, do sure. something." And that's
1: really part, I believe, of the paradigm shift or the great turning, whatever you want to call it, but ultimately for humanity to survive, um, we're going to have to come together collectively and collaboratively quickly in an intentional and um, a way of love, transforming um, a lot of that fear and scarcity of the 20th century and times before so that we can move on with the rest of um, our years and, and the years to come in a more loving and intentional way. Uh, that's the way I live my life with that um, intention. And Here in Peterborough, I guess it's a transition society for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like 40, 45 years. They've been one of the, last, the oldest transitional um, societies for people to learn permaculture and yoga and holistic healing, and yet there's still a lot of pressure from other sources that are like, no, no, I don't understand what you're talking about. And there's that as well, but at least there's that conversation, that dialogue in the town like
0: Edinburgh. Yes. And that, well, that's the thing is, is that these conversations are kind of everywhere, but they've had to be underground or not to, you know, again, assumption and judgment. And uh, you know, let's—I have got nothing against God. You know, um, the God, the universe, the angels—we need them all. Um, but it's the religion which became not a house of spirit but became uh, a form of control and mm-hmm. in and in what we've become is between religion between government and between schooling we have become a dictatorship uh, in the world mm-hmm. and uh, the, one of the reasons why we're in such discord is because we do not teach people to listen to their senses to their instinctuals to their intuitive soul Uh, To their own heart and certainly not to be living in spirit. So it's um, You know, I noticed too that with your um, Documentaries that uh, you know, you like to speak up against various causes and you're doing one right now to do with the salmon Would you like to touch on that a little bit? I love salmon. Um, Yes, this farm salmon is scary.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been so many other documentaries. Like recently, Twyla, um, I forget her name right now, but Twyla did a Salmon Confidential uh, feature documentary about the fish farm uh, discussion with the um, protection. Dr. Alexandra Morton, which is a marine biologist in um, Vancouver Island, she's the subject matter of uh, uh, the Salmon Confidential film, which is specifically touching on the, the debate of farm salmon and um whether open net fish farms and agriculture, is indeed affecting the, the, the lives of uh, Pacific wild salmon. My documentary, however, is more about the silencing of activists um, that are speaking up about that uh, science. Yeah. Uh, doctor, um, uh, he's not a doctor yet actually, his name is Don Stanford and he has a master's degree in environmental sciences, and he's from the UK. And he decided a number of years ago, I guess it must have been like five years ago, or longer, maybe six years ago, but anyhow, to, to come to Canada to crack what sounds, to become a campaigner, and to, to, to do his best to spread the science that he learned from school um, in whatever way that he could, um, and to get other people to protest, and to do so online, to do so in the, the largest environmental... Our uh, rally was in BC a number of years ago. Um, that was the the, the great migration. Uh, What's it called? The great migration. Mm-hmm. But it was a walk across the the, the island in protest of the open net fish farms and their deleterious uh, effects on the on the wild salmon. And so his freedom of speech and his freedom of expression has been in trouble from these corporations like Mainstream, which are owned by Norway, um, because they are very much concerned about. Um, criticism. Uh, they want to put a muzzle on him and want to put a muzzle on all of the people who are speaking about it, like right now, like I'm not supposed to be speaking about it. it it's something of a defamation lawsuit, slap suits, um, with a, a very large multinational corporation um, and the government of Norway and the government of Harvard government um, wanting to silence people who are talking about these um, issues because there's so much money at stake with the agriculture companies, uh, with their um, and they don't want that research from Dr. Alexander Morton and other, like Dr. Christy Miller. Um, she's a geneticist and has a lab with the DFO uh, in Victoria, Vancouver Island. And she was muzzled for some time, and she wasn't allowed to talk about her research. Um, and she was presented at the Cohen Commission on the disappearance of the uh, sockeye salmon uh, in the Fraser River. And that Cohen Commission came out last September, and it, indeed did find out that um, there was evidence that in Victoria Islands, that the concentration of so many open net fish farms did indeed have a significant impact on the decline of Pacific wild salmon. Now, that news wasn't allowed to give to the public. Muzzled scientists in Canada has been something we've been seeing on the headlines. You know, um, Elizabeth May has been speaking about it in the House of Commons. And not a lot of people really understand what she's talking about,
0: but that's the specific topic that she's talking about. And you see, As you know, Ellen, you mean, you're you're talking about you know Canada here, and of course, what we follow all the time is you know, and what's yelled at about is the monostat, Obviously, you know, more to do with America, but people forget, you know, Canada manages to slide under, you know, um, certain rocks without people noticing it because there's so much noise always going to come on the other, you know, south of the border there. Um, You know, monostat is the same type of thing as this farm fishing. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. and you know, it doesn't matter who they try to nuzzle, you know, muzzle. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because we know monostat is wrong. We know that it is killing us because it is systematically changing the chemistry of our bodies and breaking our systems down so that we have no immunity and we're open and subject to disease. So who's behind that, yeah. is that doctors, is that pharmaceutical companies thinking, oh good, mm-hmm. we'll have this new disease, now we can have this drug we can sell. You know, whoever mm-hmm. is behind it, they know it's wrong. It's been banned yeah. everywhere else in the world.
1: Yeah, so similarly in the subject matter um, with uh, Don Stanford, he had to go to court on his own dollar and raise the money himself um, online and from his supporters. Uh, to defend himself against like four lawyers, yeah. which is uh, practice of a slap suit they used to have in the 60s and 70s against environmentalists, such as uh, C um guy Paul Watson. He's landed himself in a number of slap suits over the years, too, but they, they haven't done that for a while until all of a sudden now. And especially because Don Stanford uses culture jamming. He uses slightly like, he's been influenced by Adbusters um, Media Foundation. Mm-hmm. So he's been taking ads, and some of them have been um, very upsetting. You know, like <laughs> it's a very controversial subject matter because of the fact that you know maybe he could have done tactics that were less. Uh, he was being sarcastic, and he thought he was being funny. Right. Other people did not, and other people were like, "Wait a minute, you just associated my photograph." with a certain song and with a certain image, yeah. and you just stole it, and then you put it online, and then it's a cyberbullying, they feel. um, And those kinds of tactics, uh, like direct action on some of disobedience, like that, media activists like that, is something to be really, um, a lot of corporations and PR firms are scared of, because they have got millions of dollars of budget to work on all of their their promotional material and all of their websites and everything for their finances to come in and their okay. investors. But they don't realize they didn't realize that someone um like Don Stanford could just set up a blog on WordPress and set up a blog on Tumblr and on Facebook page and a um a Twitter account and, and actually be creating graphics with words and um, and they felt like it wasn't facts, but he felt it was facts and the whole courtroom was a a, a really, a, a, in a lot of ways, us versus them. You're right, no, we're right.
0: Right. And uh, I'm in the months. middle.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I'm in the middle as Angel Hamilton, you know, filmmaker and, and potentially a, an emerging journalist, you know, but I wasn't trained in journalism. I was yeah. trained in documentary filmmaking. And it's a bit of a dis- different discipline to try to tease out the, um, the, the different arguments and try to find a balancing a balancing act um, of trying to come to solutions, trying to come to what what can we do about this. So the first film that I made about it was community access programming. I mean, the first start of it was called um, Free Dawn Stanford, and it's online right now. It's on YouTube, and I may have to take it down because it, it actually does use um, some of these images and, and sounds from Don Stanford as of yesterday on um, the Court of Appeals ruled in BC that indeed um, it is uh, John Staniford will have to go to the Supreme Court of Canada um, to try to um, uh, because they're asking $75,000 from him uh, mainstream uh, three people on the panel said that the judge erred wrong so okay. his um not guilty uh, verdict that was, came out last September from the judge um, as of yesterday, the appeal said that um, she uh, it wasn't fair comment, that she, she made a mistake, and so uh, and that he has to pay $75,000 in, in compensation to the mainstream corporation because of his criticism and uh, the way that he did it. Um, and so this is a very complicated situation, so I'm going to have to follow him uh, to the Supreme Court of Canada, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to use the footage I have so far and... And the research I have so far to be making this a feature documentary, and to hopefully get access to the counter message, and to be able to have all voices heard, not just his voice.
0: Yes, and you know, the more that he actually gets other people backing him up in unison, uh, you know, of what he does, you know, that it's not just his voice. You know, I understand the scientists. I understand these people; they have families. You know, uh, they've spent a lot of money going to school to to be able to be these scientists, uh, they need that job. Um, and we we all know what the corporations can do. I mean, they can blacklist them, that they can never work again. And you know, really what you, when you talked about cyber bullying, well, we're looking at corporate bullying on a major, major level exactly here. It. And you know, we've got to, uh, this week on the show actually is, uh, has actually been um, two shows. One was on bullying, both sides of bullying, and then on spousal yeah. abuse, which, of course, comes from the core bullying. And, uh-huh. you know, we talk about bullying only being to do with, like, at school or through parents or through spouses. But if uh-huh. somebody is a bullyer, they take that into the corporate system or they take that into their work. And yeah. uh, that bullying continues. Yeah, that, that is
1: what's happening here. It's a David versus Goliath yes, um, it is. situation. And um, it's very clear-cut, considering that Don Stanford, you know he's from the UK. He came here to help, and in a creative way. And he thought, he assumed, I guess, that we had a similar um, freedom of expression and fair comment and ability to have sort of freedom of speech. And he assumed that Canadians, um, you know, had that right. But the way that it looks now, you know, unfortunately, unlike the UK and unlike the states. You know, Canada actually has a lot of laws to protect their corporations and, or, and, and actually their citizens don't have as much freedom of speech and freedom of expression, um, especially online, that we had assumed that we had. And that's something of a huge wake-up call for me because um, I, I, I didn't know that fully. I thought, oh, well, yeah, corporations are greedy and they're powerful and intimidating, but I still have freedom of speech. I can be on this radio show right now talking about it. But unfortunately, those those corporations have actually more um, rights to their ability to exercise uh, their freedom of speech and freedom of expression of their ideas more than the average person in Canada. And you know,
0: a lot of people say, well, what can we do about the corporations? Well, here is what I say to you. Corporations are Goliath. How about we all become Davids? We don't have to throw a stone, but by our sheer force of being Davids, being uh, self-sustainable, self-sufficient, buying locally, supporting your smaller um, uh, companies, those that are really being conscious, not buying from these big corporations that are doing this. We can crumble Goliaths. Yes, it can be done if we all become Davids or Davinas. And mm-hmm. You know and stand up there and say we won't you've got some sound uh, feedback here Um, and, you know that we can stand up and say that we are not going to take this anymore and uh, You know not to be afraid uh, The only reason they have power is because we gave it to them and because we're afraid of them And if we have everybody, you know hand in hand and standing up and saying no this is my voice I'm entitled to this voice and This is, you are feeding me foods that are contaminating to my body. I have every God-given right to stand up and say no and hold you accountable. If somebody Uh poisoned somebody, they would be held accountable. If you are knowingly putting foods out there that are contaminating our body, we have to hold you accountable.
1: Yes, and ultimately that's what Don Stanford was talking about, and he was seen as a zealot. But ultimately, when he was on the stand, he was saying this cancer-causing contaminants of PCB and DDT that are found both in wild salmon and in farm salmon. And when I made the um, uh, the, the the advertisements using the smoking, he he was brilliant in a way because it was um, it, it gained attention worldwide from using the, the tobacco um, ads, like on top right. of the tobacco cigarettes. Um, so that's been something that went viral, both online and physically, you know, mailing them out to cigarette packages with these advertisements, uh, warning people against farm salmon. And that's something of which the PR um, companies of mainstream were absolutely devastated by. Yes. That was the sting of the operation of the stop suit. That was the number one reason why they took them to court.
0: But you know, so look at go really back to the cigarette that. smoking, and you know, through all of this fighting back, look what happens. We we haven't got rid of the cigarettes and all the crap they put in it, but what we have got now is that awful picture of what smoking can do to you, and that smoking is a poison and you do it at your own risk, right? Mm-hmm. But we now, don't have
1: that right now on
0: the we slapped salmon. It on a pack of salmon. Right? you know, if people still yes. pick that up and want to eat it, knowing that it can be bad for them, that is mm-hmm. their choice. But they should know what is in it and what, what it can cause. They have every right yeah. to do so.
1: And uh, how it's affecting the Pacific wild salmon, because we as humans, um, are very, uh, like, dependent on fish. I mean, yes. it's, it's what created our, um, brain capacity. It's what yep. created our ability to organize chieftains and, and state societies. Ultimately, salmon is a very influential food. It's what turns the forest green. It's the food of the bears and the eagles and everything else. Yep. So, Absolutely. if we're gonna, if cool. we're gonna create a situation whereby the Pacific wild salmon go extinct, similar to the Atlantic going extinct here in Ontario, um, then that's a devastation to BC and to Canada and to the world. And and how dare anyone, I think it's very upsetting that there's so many different forces that are trying to quiet that um, reality and that truth. Like someone like myself, like I, yesterday when I found out about this, I was absolutely crying. I, I was devastated hearing about this um, appeal uh, coming down so heavy on Don Sanford like this. And he just got married. He has a, a wife, Ellie Edwards, with a baby, I think, there's probably six months along. You know, they're on their honeymoon, for heaven's sake, in Europe. They shouldn't have to be worried about Canadian government and Canadian, you know, Norwegian corporations sh- they coming should down so heavy be- like yep.
0: this. He should not be penalized for speaking the truth, and the government should be held accountable for protecting corporations that are damning our health. And, you know, we have to have that accountability. And that, you know, where we talked about working together, unison folks. We have to, I don't believe in riots. I don't believe in in getting out there with your big Mm -hmm. drums and backing your sticks. That's all aggression. But how Mm -hmm. about in a united voice with a pleasant tone unitedly and uh, very, very, very clear
1: that we let
0: the government and the organizations know that we will hold you accountable for what you put in this food. We will hold you accountable for what you allow to go into products. We will hold you accountable for um, trying to suppress the truth and for penalizing one person because they are doing this. You are actually, they're showing themselves at this bigger, you know, really when you stop and think about it, him going now up to the Supreme Court is probably the best thing. Because how can you hide from that? All the True. media will be after that now. How are you going to hide from that? And know
1: media was there before. But this is the thing is that um, when I was at that slap suit um, in 2012 in January, there wasn't a lot of media there, in fact. I was shocked. Mark Hume from the gold Mail was the only reporter um that I saw on, on a semi frequent basis and otherwise there was not a peep. The media in BC in Vancouver, I think, um were scared.
0: They were yes. scared of
1: this because it was it was not just it's not just one of those cases um that are uh you know uh, injustice, social injustice. He's actually using like specifically the internet and social media strategically and well thought out um, to with, and with a sense of malice like this is the thing he he did have a, a, a vendetta like bring I want to bring these our agriculture industry down, and so i'm going to use everything i've got and and all of my culture jamming tactics, all of my um, graphic design abilities and my environmental sciences information. And I'm going to sh- create a campaign, and it was brilliant, so fast. And and they didn't—they said that in court. They're like, "How did you do that? Like, y- you can just get a blog, you can just get a website for free. Yeah, you can just you know take a Facebook page and Twitter account for free, and you can just start doing this. And it's like, yeah, with a laptop and with um, you know, like you can. That's why the Great Migration was such a success. I mean, he. He worked with other foundations and other organizations for sure. But ultimately, um, he he was really creative and had an idea, and he went forward, and it, then it got a lot of attention. And I think anyone, um, like, that's the reason why I'm all about documentary filmmaking and social change and social media, is, is someone like myself can pick up a, a camera and push record and then go into the edit bay and final cut. It's very easy, nonlinear ed- editing software these days now. And uh, it's a it's a very DIY process and self-directed learning process. At the same time, it's very collaborative and community and synergy and serendipity. You know, you're, you're dealing with so many people and their voices. So it's a large responsibility being a filmmaker, but certainly it's very rewarding.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and yeah, there is the responsibility because, as you said, at any time they can turn on you, um, and obviously they can turn on on me as well for doing the show. But you know what? Um, You know, the more noise that you um, speak and protest, you know, they are saying, yay, protest too much. If you are protesting that much, what is is it that you're hiding? Because a a guilt, you know, an innocent person doesn't need to protest that much. Um, So, you know, for them going after him like this, guns are blazing and bullying like this, it just shows how guilty they are. Otherwise, they would have dismissed it and ignored it a long time ago. So, you know. Guilty as, guilty as actioned. So what is the next venture for you then? In your Is it documentary? Is it a movie? Or what are you going to be doing?
1: Well, right now I'm working on Finding My Mohawk Father, which is a documentary project out of the Media Arts Peterborough map um, with the uh, art space. I'm also working closely with them, both on the board of directors um, and writing more grants and having a, a fundraising. We're going to probably do a crowdfunding campaign as well with Media Arts Peterborough. And yesterday we had our potluck meeting, so um, it was very exciting because I'm one of the co-producers and co-founders of this organization in Peterborough at the art space. So there's listening to people's ideas of one person wanted to make a a web series about art that relationship to um, the art space, like a documentary about the art space. And somebody else had the idea of having um, a a zombie movie, Um, we'll see what happens maybe a clown, uh, healing through clowning, um, expressive arts. So really just using the arts space and the Media Arts Lab, which has been funded already, um, to allow for more workshops and more more uh, web series training so people can get on the edit bay and then be able to make these dreams come true. That's really what I'm doing right now in Peter Girl is both my own filmmaking with my project, my documentaries, but also working in service of my community so that more people can become media artists. And then they can apply for media arts grants and they can have crowdfunding campaigns and they can have a voice.
0: Exactly. And that's what we want, guys. We want you to have a voice in harmonic human unison in order to uh, help Davids and Davinas around the world join hands against the corporations that refuse to change and governments um so that we can all live in this sustainable harmony so what can we expect from you on the, on the shows on the indie weekends on POV radio in september what kind of things are you going to bring to us
1: well i'm looking forward to um getting more people on the radio to discuss freedom of um speech and freedom of expression when it comes to media artists and when it comes to, to Peter Grohl's unsung heroes and stories. There's a lot of people who graduate from Trent University and from Santa Southern College that have something to say. And there's a lot of people here period that are just um amazing artists that I feel like I want to tap into. And especially when it comes to um issues of polyamory or issues of um salmon, issues of like fish like in general, there's a lot of people that are really concerned about the fish in this community. And I feel like we could I could have some more people um, on my show that are talking about the ways that they're helping and the ways that they're um, struggling. You know, I know a couple people with the hatchery up in uh, Lindsay that I would like to interview off the top of my head. And... um, yeah, just Lester Alfonso is the documentary filmmaker I'm working with and he has a Yuki show and I'd like to interview him because he's working with me in the Media Arts Peterborough and so is Michael Moritz, another filmmaker in town. I'd like to have them on the show and talk about their documentary filmmaking and their filmmaking in
0: general here
1: in Peterborough. Wonderful. And especially how they use social media.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So this is uh, something we're really looking forward to coming up uh, to in September. You know, the the awareness, I mean, this is what uh, POV Radio stands for, is bringing uh, really you a, a topic, a problem, how we can actually find a solution to it, and what we all can do in order to uh, help that solution grow um, in our communities, but also in our own lives, because this is what it's all about, taking ownership of our choices, taking ownership of our own lives and uh, placing value upon it, placing value on those around us and working communitively together in unison to create a harmony that we can all live on. And maybe that's the old hippie in me, but you know what? It was more peaceful back then and maybe that's where we need to go.
1: I agree. Very well said, Sarah,
0: <laughs> Good. So also are we going to get a little bit out of you on, on – um, uh, you know, somebody wants to become a, a documentary artist, um, you know, kind of the steps that they would go through, the type of things to expect, so, you know, uh, the competi- competition out there. Will we get any of that from you, too?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'll probably end up talking about kaleidoscope programming. Um, the way that I got into films was through a program called Kaleidoscope. And so I'll probably talk about that as well as the festivals that I volunteered for and the way that I was able to. Um, you know, self-directed learning through YouTube tutorials, and and my enthusiasm for actively finding a way to network with other filmmakers like myself, so I could collaborate with them and, and synergize with them. And I think ultimately that's what my intention is for the radio show is to really encourage and inspire and and give people the tools so they can go ahead and, and uh, find a way to have their own radio show, their own documentary filmmaking, and their own uh, social media presence online.
0: Their own, their own voice,
1: uh, evolutionary agents of social change, yes. their own voice, ultimately. It's very healing. I mean, throughout my life, especially the last five years, to, to find my own opinions on things and be able to have the courage to share that um, and express that, has been really a healing for me. And I feel like that more people the
0: merrier. It spreads light, right? You know, when we talk about, you know, being in the dark and how scary it can be because you don't know when you do know, um and you do know what you can do about it and you could become purposeful and proactive you're into the light mm-hmm. now and you start sharing exactly. that light with others and then life becomes far less intimidating because you you know you do have those answers or those solutions or that pathway to walk on and uh, the more voice that everybody has the the better yeah.
1: obviously i mean for me, I definitely um, have a spiritual path. I mean, the Sat and Buddhist meditation and yoga—you know—these kinds of practices, and spending time in nature um, are very much part of my filmmaking. Very much like, like vulnerability, being open and exposed on camera, even my own personal stories, is because of my trust in that, um, all my relations, and that connection. So I think that's why we're talking and exactly. we're sharing because um, it's very similar to my
0: own exactly you know it's it's uh, the all the answers are in folks you know the answers are out there amongst all of us you know it's like the trees whispering everybody they're speaking to one another and the whole forest it knows what's going on um sorry i forgot to switch my phone off here today um and we need to be far more in tuned with ourselves first so that we can be in tuned with nature we can be in tuned with each other and that Although we may gather information from each other until we apply it to ourselves within, uh, we're not plugged in, so to speak. So it all starts within finding that self love, self acceptance, self value, and finding a purpose in life so that we can then plug into life and join that wonderful vibration that's out there, um, which we then can be contributors to and also uh, benefactors from. So it's a, do your own soul searching, your own heart searching. Find something that's going to be meaningful to you, your heart, soul, and your spirit. And uh, sometimes get your head out of it and trust those instincts that are within your body because they'll never guide you wrong. Would you let me uh, let uh, everybody know how they can get hold of you? Um, they um, can go to uh, angelhamilton.com,
1: which is my website. And there's um, contact information there. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and WordPress, um, YouTube and Vimeo, all of it. Um, but I'm also, you know, you can reach my angelhamilton8 at gmail.com.
0: Wonderful. And what are we going to call your show? Ah, that's a good question. Um, uh, the radio show I used to have
1: is called Naked Angel Virgin Vinyl. <laughs> so I've often, I've often kidded around with my friends I can have na- Naked Angel Radio Naked Angel TV because um, it's just eclectic and open and allows for me to be myself, naked, exposed <laughs> but so uh, certainly it could be um, like Fractal Butterfly Productions is my company name um, so certainly it could be uh, beautiful, I'm not sure, I'll have to give it some thought
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I look forward to it. So, you know, folks, you're going to find her on plvradio.com under new shows coming up. So you'll see whatever show she's uh, name she's chosen for her show, what time she'll be on, and uh, you know what program she's going to be running to us. So just pay attention to that there. And it's interesting that you mentioned the word fractal because we're actually in a fractal development, which was all about understanding who you are, your personality uh, strengths and weaknesses, and who to fractalize with, who to align with in order to be able to collaborate and cohesively, uh, collectively, build something into, into an actualization. Um, so fractalization is actually something that's quite dear to me as well. Thank you. There we go. Right. Silogy, right? It's wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah, for
1: a wonderful uh, radio interview.
0: Oh, no, this is great. And I'm so happy to have you joining us. There's so much to be learned. You're so open and that's what's beautiful. I understand the word, uh, you know, the naked angel because, you know, it's not about the being naked as opposed to willing to be exposed um, to Mm -hmm. life and uh, be open to what it has there without any, you know, restrictions, which is wonderful. So that is fantastic. And, um, Great. And that's something we all need to do, folks, is just open up, be free, uh, let yourselves go, let yourselves receive, and you never know what wonders and what creativity or what path lies ahead of you until you're willing to take off those shackles and walk forward. So um, I hope that um, your Peter, uh, is it Peter Sanford? Don Stanford, Don Sanford, sorry, um, really, you know, gets his, his day in Faircourt. And I hope that we then help support him because he's standing up being that voice for us and bringing awareness. And for the salmon. And for the salmon. And for the salmon that you like to eat and that you are really desperately need on. Remember, the bees are disappearing, folks. The fish are disappearing. What is this telling you? It's time for us to understand what the hell is going on and why Mother Earth is uh, is retaliating. And, uh-huh. uh, and what we can do about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, love. I look forward You're to the shows. You're very welcome. And uh, there's so much more uh, for you to talk about and so much more for us to learn. So this is going to be wonderful. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to PLV Radio. We hope that our programming has inspired you. Please feel free to visit the website to find past shows and schedules. Find your favorite hosts, leave comments about your experience, and share ideas for future shows. Don't forget to visit us on your favorite social media websites, which you will find links to at plv-radio.com. Listen with your friends and share
1: the